All right, welcome to the Three Rings podcast. I'm Aiden, and with me is my co-host Vinayak. Vinayak, how are we doing? We're doing pretty good. Last night was a pretty fun game. Uh, the Bucks took Game Six against the Suns. What do you think about it? You know, I actually thought it was an exciting finals, even though uh, Milwaukee won four in a row. It seemed pretty exciting. Three quarters of almost every game were pretty good, except mm. for game. What was it? Game three was a blowout. Yeah, game three. Was a game, yeah, game three. But I thought it was exciting. Um, Chris Paul just choked at the end of every game, and DeAndre Ayton showed his true colors too. He he was soft. It's, unfor- really it's, it's unfortunate for, for the Suns because they have they such a talented team and, you know, they just couldn't, like, they couldn't put it together. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, Chris Paul, he, for some, I think he was playing hurt. He was, like, fumbling the ball quite a bit. But also, shout out to Drew Holiday. Uh, that man's played amazing defense, shut him down. And then you got to give the props to Chris Middleton, Giannis Attentacoupe. Also, also shout out to Bobby Portis. Big man from Arkansas hitting 16 points. But I mean, talk about Giannis though. 40, oh, 50 points, 12 rebounds, five blocks. Like that's MVP numbers. And he's redefining kind of the role of like where NBA is going. You know, it's all about shooting. But Giannis, Giannis is just a beast in the paint. It's crazy. Yeah. He had a, he had multiple 40 plus point games. Chris Middleton really stepped up when they needed him throughout this series and drew holiday did his part in being the number three guy on the bucks and just it just all came together at the right time for them and i think that was the biggest question mark in the past years was is chris middleton as the number two guy gonna get it done for Giannis or mm-hmm. for the bucks in general and he answered that this year, but I I do think it's unfortunate for the Suns. Obviously, Chris Paul is going to be probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is his mm-hmm. first Finals, and probably could be his only Finals unless he goes to LA this year in free agency or somewhere else that's already you know pretty structured and ready to win. But do you see the Suns ever making it back with Booker or any of any of this team? This is like one of those weird finals where like I feel like both teams, you can make an argument that they shouldn't they aren't the best team. I mean, you first look at the Suns, they got the Lakers that were injured with Anthony Davis, although Chris Paul had his shoulder injury, so it's even there. But then they faced Jamal uh the Denver Nuggets without Jamal Murray. Murray towards uh, Achilles, I believe. And then Clippers without Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi is like a top five player in the league. So one can make the argument that you don't know if they'll come back. And also with Chris Paul and his upcoming free agency, I don't know if uh, it's not a guarantee if he comes back. And if he doesn't come back, you know, can Devin Booker, you know, take the load? And he showed that in this finals, like he can be the go-to score, the 1A. But, you know, can he lead the team to the playoffs? I feel like Chris Paul is just a floor floor raiser and he does a really good job wherever he goes the team overachieves so I wonder if they'll be able to keep Chris Paul and then for the Bucks, one really can make you can make a really strong argument that the Brooklyn Nets had Kyrie uh not gone down with injury and James Harden played with a with both legs and a healthy hamstring that they would have maybe won but um props to the Bucks. this is a big moment for the small market team so you know you let them enjoy this moment but I don't know moving forward it's uh well it's up in the air for both teams for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the West is just so loaded that all the, yeah, all the cards fell right for Phoenix just to get there. And if you said before the playoffs that Phoenix would make the finals beating the Lakers, the Nuggets and the Clippers, you would have been like, you're crazy, man. No way. But they, they did it. And but everyone, you know, everyone was injured. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and uh, Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee can make it again. Um, 
Kyrie was out, but I think KD is a top three player in the league still. So, I mean, I'm not going to give any excuses to them, but having yeah. Kyrie out and having Harden just be not what he is was just off. And they kind of just fell apart because KD was doing it by himself, it felt like. And then the Hawks made the the Eastern Conference Finals too, mm-hmm. which was a big surprise. Mm-hmm. And I don't I just I don't think it's gonna get easier for the Bucks, um, especially in the Eastern Conference, but I still think that they keep all of their those dudes if they keep Middleton Holiday and Giannis healthy, I think they can make it back. The real question for the Bucks, though, is should they keep Coach Bud? Is even though winning the chip, even though winning the championship, does Coach Bud still stay on the team? I think he honestly, this last series against the Suns, he did a pretty good job with his adjustments and stuff. I think, I think he knew when it was. I know at one point in Game Five, he went with the all big lineup, and it was all bunch. It was all taller players, and the Suns exposed that with the three point shooting, and he went right back, back put in Giannis and Pat Pat Connaughton. So I do feel like. Bud probably kept his job, but you know, it's kind of crazy to think about it. Just like two or three weeks ago, or maybe now like a month ago, that the Bucks they lost game two to the Nets in a blowout. And I think everyone was coming at uh Coach Boonhoser's head. You know, they were saying he's gonna get fired if he if he loses. And now it's kind of crazy to think he just earned some job stability, you know, staying winning this championship. So it means a lot for Milwaukee. It, it's not only a championship for Milwaukee, but it's also like security for Mike Budenhoser, Giannis, the whole team. Cause you know, if they didn't really win this uh, championship, I mean, do the Bucks still try to run it back after like failing the last three years, you know? I, th- I think there's no way you can't give him a contract extension after winning an NBA championship. But I also want to give a shout out to Monty Williams. Cause I think he was by far the best coach in this whole playoffs he was he was you know he was the one that like pushed Chris Paul to be better pushed Devin Booker to be better I think I think he gets a lot of credit and even though they lost uh, a lot of people are gonna say Mike Budenholzer you know was better or was the better coach but I think when it when it comes down to it Mike Budenholzer just had Giannis and the Suns didn't have Giannis. And I think that was just, that was the, that's all the difference they needed to, you know, win. I mean, he had, he had 50 point game last night. I think 50 points out of 105. It's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So now that the NBA finals are over, we're going to hop in to the NBA draft, which as both of us are Pistons fans, we are pretty excited about getting the number one pick in a week from now. Um, how are you feeling about this? Man, you know, ever since we won the lottery, um, when we won the lottery, I was ecstatic. You know, I was screaming up and down. But these last, like, couple of weeks have been pretty tough with the trade rumors with Houston Rockets fans and uh, – Cavaliers fans and just all these trade proposals and you know I never really thought getting the number one pick would garner like so much attention towards the Pistons in like a bad way but um Cade was in Detroit uh I believe yesterday on Monday Monday and Tuesday he was at the Tigers game and you know it feels real it feels it's kind of hard for me to accept but I do feel like you know it's happening Cade Cunningham is going to be a Piston what about you how are you feeling yeah it feels surreal and it's it's funny um, you see a lot of things on Twitter of fans DMing his brother or DMing mm-hmm. him, asking about like the jersey number and all other kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. Just like it, it feels surreal, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about just the Pistons getting the number one pick in general. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all aboard the Cade train. I think he uh, was really exciting to watch when I watched him uh, at Oklahoma State. 
he won some really big games. He beat Baylor, who ended up being national champs. He did a lot of it by himself, too. He was the tallest dude that played for Oklahoma State. He he guarded one through five. Um, he just he just didn't seem to have a lot of help, and they still made uh, the NCAA tournament as a four seed and we're a top 25 team throughout the season. I just think that shows how good he could be with an NBA roster where he's not playing out of position. Mm-hmm. And the floor spacing in the NBA is amazing. But um, with the uh, with the Pistons and the picks, so a report came out yesterday that they're going to be working out Jalen Jalen Green, uh, Jalen Suggs, and I think they're going to try to schedule Evan Mobley in for a workout. So is there any... Do you see any possibility where the Pistons do like try to get Jalen Green? I know for like us Pistons fans, like it's like we just it's been K. It was actually initially Jalen Green. Everyone was on the Jalen Green chain. And once we got the number one pick, it's now all the K chain. But do you see any reasonable way the Pistons get Jalen Green in a trade down? It would have to be like a trade that you can't refuse it. That's not like a trade where it's like 50, 50 and you're like, uh, fuck it. Let's go for it and take it. It's gotta be a trade. I can't refuse. It's gotta be like Houston is giving me like Mm -hmm. three or four unprotected first round picks. And they're giving like, you know, I guess Christian Wood coming back, like other, like Kevin Porter, like literally you have to you have to give me a trade that I can't refuse and I don't really see it with um Toronto Cleveland or Houston I guess Cleveland maybe if you're giving us Colin Sexton and a few picks I could see it with six I've seen a lot of trades with like the Thunder with giving Shane, up yeah. shy yeah, shy, um, and a bunch of picks. You know, Sam Presti will never shy away from making a trade in the draft. So, but I I don't see it. I don't really want it. But I do like that Troy Weaver is keeping his door open and listening to all considerations rather than just being like super closed minded and just being like no. Because I think I think uh, keeping a poker face is really important, especially in the draft. Mm-hmm. You need to consider all the options. And Troy Weaver is not someone who's going to go with what everyone else goes with. You know, you saw that with the Isaiah Stewart pick. You saw that with Saban Lee, um, who was ranked like outside the top sixty. Even with the Russell Westbrook pick, um, a lot of people had Westbrook in the ten to fourteen range. The Thunder select him for. And now he's, he ends up becoming an MVP. So it's not it's not like if Troy Weaver doesn't like Kay Cunningham, it's the end of the world. Because he has earned, he's earned uh, my respect. And I bet a lot of other Pistons fans respect as like a really good talent evaluator. But I think it, all the tables are leaning towards Kay Cunningham as the pick. And from reports from, I think Kevin O'Connor said, the, um, Troy Weaver is ecstatic. He loves Kay Cunningham. Maybe other people in the Pistons front office don't feel the same way, but if, if Troy Weaver likes Kay Cunningham, then I think it's safe to say he will and he should be a Detroit Piston. So that's good. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on because obviously we have the Pistons taking Kay Cunningham at one. Pick number two to the Rockets. Who do you like here? So uh, from what I've seen, I, I think a lot of – Rockets fans want Jalen Green, and I can see the fit there. Um, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. came out on social media and said, I'm a point guard. So I think, you know, that's kind of indicating that, you know, Jalen Green comes in as a shooting guard. And he does fit kind of what they need. They want explosive scoring. You know, ever since, I mean, James Harden left last year, but they kind of want that type of player. I'm not saying Jalen Green is like James Harden per se, but um, they need, they want that scoring punch that Jalen Green can provide. But I don't want to shy away from Evan Mobley. I know a lot of people get scared with bigs, you know, with uh, with busts in the past. And, you know, this whole idea that if you draft a big in like the top three, you know, you're doing it wrong. Evan Mobley is a very underrated, uh, very underrated player. Um, he can control the game in so many phases. And 
it's ridiculous what his uh, peak potential could be. He has a, a lot of potential in my eyes. Who do you, but who do you think uh, the Rockets should go with? Yeah, I think they go with Jalen Green here. I think John Wall's contract is too big to move unless he has a great comeback season. I think they like Christian Wood at the five, and they could take Mobley. I, I can totally see it. I hear a lot of people say he has um, the best upside in this in this class, but I think they take Jalen Green, like you said, they need a prolific scorer, and I think that's what he is. And pairing him with Kevin Porter, Christian Wood, John Wall, I think that's a solid start to a rebuilding team. And yeah, I just think I just think he's the obvious pick here. But yeah, he might he might not be the best pick a lot of i mean this is a this is an argument that's been going on for a long time is drafting for fit or drafting the best overall i think with with jalen green jalen suggs evan mobley i think you can draft for fit at pick two because those three are all you know great and by personal preference everyone has their own opinion on after Cade Cunningham is Suggs the next best player is Mobley the next best player is Green the next best player I think you can draft for fit for one of those three guys at pick two yeah no definitely I think I think you can definitely um both all three players have tremendous upsides and they're gonna I think they're gonna have really great careers it's the top four heavy drafts so Almost definitely. Yeah. So then moving to number three with the Cavaliers, I feel like it's Evan, if Jalen Green goes to, let's just say Jalen Green, he's the second pick. I think you got to go Evan Mobley, right? Like, I feel like it's a pair. I know they have Jared Allen, but I assume they probably try to move him. I don't know what you think. Yeah. Well, I think he's going to be a free, a, he's going to be a restricted free agent this year, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you go Mobley because you have Sexton and Garland. And whether the jury's still out on them, I still think you take Mobley there. I think he's what they need. You know, uh, both Garland and Sexton are kind of undersized. And so they kind of struggle like their defense. They need defense and Mobley kind of provides that. He's, he's a fluid. He's very, he's athletic and he's very smooth for a seven foot. He is really good. A seven foot person. He's very coordinated and he can do a lot of things. And if the jumper comes along, you know, he can, there's the potential to be all NBA player. And even if not, he's definitely at least in the upper half of the uh, center starting centers around, around the league. So it's definitely a solid pick for the Cavs. And I don't think you, I mean, Jalen Suggs, you can maybe consider that, but then again, then you probably would have to find a trade for Colin Sexton. If you don't intend on paying Sexton and that could get, I guess, a little bit dicey. If you, if let's say they don't find a trade, you have three guards and how are you going to manage that? So I definitely think Mobley is the pick there. Yeah, I agree. I think I think like you said, I think they just have too many young guards to take another young guard unless it is Jalen Green, then you could play super small where you could put Jalen Green at the 3 and then just yeah, you can mm-hmm. go from there, but I I don't think he'll be on the board at 3. All right, number 4, the Raptors. I mean, it seems like Jalen Suggs is the leftovers of the big four, but that's not bad, is it? No, no. I think Jalen Suggs is a pretty, it's a really good fit there, especially if they decide to move on from Kyle Lowry. Um, Jalen Suggs, he's, he's quite athletic. You know, I guess you don't see it as much. He's not like athletic and the same vein as like Jalen Green per se, but he's still, he has, he has explosiveness. He has, he has to work on his jumper a little bit, but he has a pretty good IQ and he showed some, good traits like Gonzaga, you know, he led the team to the national championships that that definitely counts. I think, I think Suggs is honestly like kind of a perfect pick for them. They do, they may consider Scotty Barnes maybe at four out of Florida state, I guess. Um, I've seen stuff where the, their GM Masai, um, GM Masai, you know, he's, uh, he's not really the person who really drafts for fit. He's really best player available and work it out later. So I could see maybe Scotty Barnes there, but I think you you just have to go Suggs. I think 
he's in that top he's in that top four tier and yeah i would go jalen suggs but you yeah i go suggs i mean obviously there's a case to be made for scotty barnes at four but i just don't think it's convincing enough um compared to jalen suggs who yeah like you said made made it not led his team to a national championship as a freshman he was a five-star recruit first ever at gonzaga and he just flourished in their system and i think he'll be a really solid player in the nba too um, yeah. number five, this is where it's get gets interesting. The magic. So like you said, Scotty Barnes, there's a couple other players around that five spot that people are hearing. Yeah, no, um, with the magic. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of, they're kind of in the dilemma. They kind of dictate how the rest of the draft goes. I do think the ultimate decision will come down to either Jonathan Kuminga out of the G league or Scotty Barnes out of Florida state. So both players are like very, they're very intriguing prospects and they have their flaws that can be identified. So for Scotty Barnes, he can do it. He can do almost everything on the floor except scoring and shooting. Um, I think that's a big swing skill because I do believe Scotty Barnes with a jump shot is probably going, he's probably up there in this top four class. It becomes like a top five, you know, top five heavy class. I think Scotty Barnes has a lot of potential if he develops the jump shot, but the same can be said for Jonathan Kuminga. You know, he has, uh, he has a lot of, uh, the physical traits are there. You know, he has the ideal NBA body. It's like, he's about six, eight, 220 pounds. I mean, and he has a very long wingspan. So the potential is there with him too. But I think in the G league, a lot of people expected him to take over, which he did in like the first two games, but then, uh, he kind of leveled off, you know, the shooting didn't look too good. Only shot like 29% from three, 60, around the 60s for the free throw percentage. So I think uh, a lot of scouts and a lot of like teams, I guess, want, were looking for more out of Kuminga. And that's also something that's like very big with Kuminga. It's like, can he develop that jump shot? And it's why his ceiling and floor is like, he may be one of the more boomer bust. Like he can either be like the best player in this draft or he could be out of the league and or he could be like a, a low, like a bench player, you know? So it's a definitely a pretty tough decision. I, I think I lean maybe Barnes cause he's a little bit more, you know, polished, but uh, what do you think? Yeah. I said Scotty Barnes here. I think he's really raw offensively, but I think you can mold him to be what you want, but defensively he might, he might be the best defender if not, the best defender in this draft um I, he can guard one through five he's quick he's athletic um the orlando magic draft guys like these in bulk they drafted aaron gordon they've drafted jonathan isaac they've drafted mo bamba they've drafted just a ton of these dudes who had just have are like super raw offensively, but are like, like really solid defensive players. And I just think this, this pick is just right down Orlando's alley as just like, he feels like a magic player already. Um, and also um, the GM for Orlando, uh, John Hammond, I believe he also, he drafted Giannis Attentacumpo. So he's uh, yeah he loves his raw prospects. So. I think it's either, exactly. yeah, like Scotty Barnes probably. But yeah, I mean, Kuminga is more raw than Barnes overall. But I think I think uh, the defense is the 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 deal breaker for them. Mm-hmm. All right, the Thunder. That's Thunder. six. I think you got to go uh, Kuminga here. I think like he's probably the the next best like available player I have seen potentially James Buchnight uh or I don't know if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that right, out of UConn the shooting guard for a more dynamic scoring but I do think like like we said with Orlando Magic you know the Thunder also like to take swings they like to swing on players with uh high ceilings and Kuminga kind of fits that role I actually do not know really what the Thunder's roster is going to kind of look like moving forward you know because they had this whole tanking thing so, you know, they played so many uh, G League players. You don't even know what their roster, like, is setting. But, you know, they have Shea. They have SGA at the point. You have Lou, 
Lou Dort, who's a phenomenal uh, defensive shooting guard. And then I guess the next fit here is the wing. And I think Jonathan Kuminga is probably also, he's a, he's a good fit there. And he's also probably the best, I would say the best player available in terms of his ceiling. And I think this, this fits OKC. This is the reason why OKC tanked. You know, they, they tanked to get Kay Cunningham and obviously it didn't work out, but they tank for high ceiling players. So I think Kuminga is the pick here. Who do you think? I said book night here. I think they need a dynamic scorer to pair with Shea. Shea obviously can't do it by himself. Um, they picked up Kemba Walker in a trade, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to get dumped either during the draft or after to, you know, get a guy or get multiple players that they could you know, help build around. But I think they get Book Knight here just because they need a score to pair with Shea. And I don't really think OKC is looking for a project at pick six because obviously, like you said, they wanted to tank for Cade. So Mm -hmm. I think they want a more polished player here. Yeah, um, I could see I could see that. Whoa, sorry, uh, just just an interruption. I could see that argument made too because, you know, SGA is like, He's on his like third year in the NBA. He probably wants to win at some point. So I no, it's a it's a definitely yeah, a fair he, argument. Yeah, he wants to start winning. And obviously they were like a four or five seed with Chris Paul, but that you know didn't be, didn't become the case once he once he left. Mm-hmm. So seven, the Warriors, the Warriors uh got a trade with Minnesota to get the seventh pick. And yeah, who do you think they get there? To be honest, I think the Warriors and maybe some other teams we'll talk about later in the lottery. I think the Warriors should definitely explore trying to move this pick. Um, um, I think um, because I feel like they're in a state right now where you know they have Steph Curry, they have Clay Thompson, they have Jamon Green, and it looks like they do want to run it back. So if they want to offer, I was thinking maybe with Houston, you know, they could make maybe make an offer for Christian Wood, surrounded with Wiseman and seven or 14 so i definitely think trades may be considered here but um i think with the warriors they they likely uh probably need shooting they need a lot of shooting they just need players who can come off the bench you know because that was a problem for the warriors you know when steph curry was just being steph curry no one else on the team could really take that load and they also need probably help with defense i think moses moody is a pretty good fit there um he's from arkansas a really good three three and d player has a really long wingspan good rebounder i think he kind of fits it he was he kind of took the role as the main scorer in arkansas but uh but i think in the nba he'll probably be more relegated to just the three and d which is a pretty simple role for him and i think i think he's a solid fit there though if kuminga is on the board i do wonder how that dictates the draft i think if kuminga's on the board other teams may be calling the warriors asking to trade up a trade up to seven to select him but it's a definitely a tricky situation for the warriors for sure yeah, I, I, I went with Moody here. I think they just struggled to find scoring outside of Steph, like you said. So I think I think they keep the pick at seven. I think 14, they'll trade. Um, but unless they can't, if they can't move up to get one of the top four guys, I think they keep pick seven just because they need more bench players. And they honestly, Honestly, I could see them trading Andrew Wiggins too. A lot of people think they'll trade Wiseman. I don't think they'll do that. He, I don't think they got a big enough sample size to be like, we hate Wiseman or like we don't like him, so we're gonna get rid of him. But we'll we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. So I said Moses Moody here, three and D player. One of, one of my favorite players to watch um, in a college basketball season last year dude can just score he's just like a microwave that he just turns on and yeah i mean they made it to the lead eight and they got they got kind of stomped by baylor and he wasn't very good but that doesn't really represent how how well he played in the season as a whole yeah Um, i think woody's a fit great fit there for sure yeah all right pick number Eight, the Orlando Magic, which is their second pick um, from the Bulls. 
Mm-hmm. You like there. So that you said they take Scotty Barnes at five. Um, yeah. So take at eight. So like I wonder like first of all with their picks five and eight I wonder if they they if they try to move up in the draft and I think five and eight could maybe be a solid argument to move up to four if they want wanted maybe Jalen Suggs or maybe they could pair with some more picks to get up to three I do think that's probably a possibility but with the eighth pick you know they with if Kuminga is still on the board I definitely think the Magic should should just take him best player available. But if not, I think honestly the Magic can afford to reach. Um, they can probably take uh, a player um, out of Turkey. I like um, Alferin Sengun out of Turkey, uh, the MVP of the Turkish league, which I believe like the third best league in basketball. And that that man has a lot of potential on the offensive end. He's as polished as it gets. Um, he can help. He can score. He can basically do it all. His jump shot looks clean. He shot pretty well from the free throw line. And he has passing ability as well. And that's one of the things that people rave about uh, Shingun, um, that he can pass the ball and he has very high IQ. On defense is a little bit little bit questionable. Um, but I do I do think he can be a plus defender then. He's definitely not switchable, like maybe like an Evan Mobley is, but I think he's a good fit. They also traded away Nikola Vucevic. So maybe like uh, Shingun is kind of like a replacement there. But honestly, with this pick, it's uh, kind of best player available. Whoever's Whoever is like whoever's kind of left there, um, that's who I would that's who I would go with. I think I hear you just take maybe upside. I don't know how. What are you thinking towards it? Yeah, I went with a different international player. I went with Josh Giddy, the okay. Australian. He's like a six eight point guard. He's got great size. He can play a little bit of a wing too. He's a ball handler. I think you get him. Uh, with Cole Anthony and you know I feel like they need more guards um I don't know how well he is shooting wise but he's super young and he has an NBA ready body and I think you just you just need more guards for the for the magic because they just have too many wings and big men that you know (laughs) <laughs> they just have too many of them and you can't win with just bigs, especially in this day and age. So I think, I think getting another ball handler will definitely help them a lot. All right. The, at nine, the Kings. Uh, so, so Adam, I can, I can go ahead. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was, I was just gonna, I was just gonna point out that the Kings are looking i don't know if they are aren't looking to move marvin bagley but Mm -hmm. obviously that's a big rumor that you know he wants to be traded or some some one of the uh one of the groups between the kings and bagley wants a trade or some sort of deal so you could see them moving up maybe packaging him but at nine who do you think they go with yeah, actually, just to like add on to your Marvin Bagley point, I think um, I think he liked a tweet, right? He liked a tweet of saying, "Get Marvin Bagley out of Sacramento." So I think at that point, you might as well move him. And you know, with the Kings and the drafting, you know, they 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 did hit on Tyrese Halliburton. I think they kind of, they really lucked out that he dropped to twelve. And I'm not sure as to why he dropped. I know a lot of people had him in like the top six, and people had him in the top five. But at nine, it feels like. The Kings have just been linked to uh, Franz Wagner out of Michigan. And um, while I don't think he's like the best, the best player available, and I don't think he has the high upside, I think the Kings are in a position where they don't really, I don't even think a championship is what they're really looking for. I think they're at a point where they just want to make the playoffs. You know, I think they have like the longest playoff streak and just getting De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald, who I do think they'll trade, but getting that core into the playoffs is probably their, uh, their biggest need and uh last year the kings you know they really lacked uh defense so they want franz wagner can play pretty well with defense he's really good he i think his highlight a lot of people talk about was against florida state in the sweet 16 or in the in the sweet 16 against florida state how he played defense on scotty barnes and you know he can hit the he can hit the jumper i think franz wagner was going to be a very solid role player i think i but i think that's kind of what the kings need i know some people would say go best player available, but you know, it is, it is the Sacramento Kings, you know, 
context is important. I feel like making the playoffs for them is, I think that should, that's their end goal. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I went with Kaminga here because he's still on my board. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, I think they do go best player available. And I do think it's a project they're willing to take on. Um, I do think I do want to point out that yes, I did put Kaminga at nine because I do think teams will pass on him, especially the 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 Warriors for sure. I don't think will take him. The Thunder, I feel like will pass on him because they're a good enough organization to be like we don't want to do a project, but mm-hmm. maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and I think if the Magic pass on him once, they'll pass on him twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they go Kaminga here just to get the best player available. And yeah, you've already explained earlier about Kaminga. He's just super raw. He's the youngest player in the draft. I will point that out. Um, and he played in the G League and, you know, held his own for pretty long time. Mm. All right. So, 10 the pelicans which i want to point out on uh on the lottery night that swin cash uh <laughs> who was the representative for the pelicans was not too happy with uh the p- getting pick 10 um but who do you think they go with here if they keep it no yeah so i think out of all the picks in the lottery this is the pick that needs to be i would personally say this is the pick that needs to be traded I think the Pelicans are kind of in a do or die situation. You know, Zion Williamson, that report came out that family members are already like telling him to get out of New Orleans. And that's now becoming a fear that Zion maybe not, maybe doesn't want to play with the Pelicans. And, you know, so the Pelicans have a lot of pressure on them. And I don't think they can even really afford to go with high upside picks. You know, last year they went with Kira Lewis, high upside out of Alabama, I believe. And then the year before that, they took Jackson Hayes center, who's a solid player, but I think the the Pelicans really need to really need to trade this pick. Ideally, maybe Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald's like a potential fit there because the Pelicans really need shooting. That's something that's I think that's going to be on their on their big board. Like for the entire offseason, they want to address that. The shooting was not as not as good. They need the out the out the spacing out for Zion, who's just going to you know be in the paint. So I think uh, if they were to make a selection, you would probably pick a shooter. I think Corey Kispert is like an option out of Gonzaga. And I know the the stigma is going to come around the pick, you know, the senior out of Gonzaga. You seem someone like Dick Vitell would just love, but, you know, I honestly don't even think they should be making this pick. But if they do, Corey Kisper provides shooting. He can, he just has to do one thing. He just needs to shoot. When Zion passes it out to the corner, he just needs to hit that three. And I think Kispert, Kispert can do that. So I guess you would go with Corey Kispert in like a win now move. But yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I said I said Kispert here too. I uh, we should have looked over each other's mock drafts before this because we have mm-hmm. pretty similar ones. Yeah, I said Kispert here. JJ Reddick's contract is up. Obviously, you have Zion. Um, I mean, they still have a really solid squad. Lonzo is gonna be, I think, a restricted free agent. Um, you still have uh Brandon Ingram who's gonna be you know, he, you know, came onto the scene a couple of years ago. It was an all-star. Um, I think they still have a solid young core. I think Kisper just, yeah, like you said, they just desperately need shooting. Um, I think you saw this problem a lot with uh, the Grizzlies too, where they just have a, a super young core that just desperately needs shooting. And yeah, they, I mean, the, 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 fuck, I just, just blanked out right there. <laughs> Sorry. But the Grizzlies, yeah, the Grizzlies assessed shooting last season. They drafted uh, Desmond Bain, who had a solid season. And, um, yeah, and Jaw really worked on his jump shot, too. But, yeah, the Pelicans take Corey Kispert. All right, the Hornets. Who do the Hornets take? Oh yeah, so um, I think the Hornets their main need this uh, this off season was uh, get a center, and you know while I do think like there are still some solid centers left on the board such as like Kai Jones, Usman Garuba, 
I do think that's like a need they can address in like free agency. Um, I think Nerlens Noel or like a rim protecting they can be available. I don't think that's something they need to address via the draft. So I think that for the Hornets, they may benefit from taking a high upside player. So I have him selecting uh, Jalen Johnson, uh, who was on Duke before he left. Now, I think Jalen Johnson is the most like polarizing player in the draft. You know, he left Duke early. He uh, A lot of people have concerns about his like character. You know, he's left teams. I don't think he played on IMG. He was supposed to go there. He didn't. He didn't play there. So concerns about that. But Jalen Johnson has um, has potential to be a point forward. I don't think he's in the same vein as Ben Simmons, but you can see some similarities that Jalen Johnson, you know, he's really good at passing. He can pass the ball really well. He's really good in transition, but just like Ben Simmons, you know, the shot is kind of iffy and even the defense at times can be a little bit, a little bit off. So there's definitely a lot of, um, there's definitely a lot of things that need to be worked out with him, but at the same time, it's a six, nine. It's, I think he's like six ten. It's a six ten ball handler. So, I mean, there's, that's where the league is going. So I think Jalen Johnson is a solid pick there. Yeah, I think they go center here. I have them taking Alperit Sangoon um, with him still being on the board. I just think uh, Biombo had one of the worst contracts because he had a solid playoffs with Toronto however many years ago. And then Charlotte gave him like, it was like four years, like, so, like something over sixty million dollars. It was really, it was a really bad contract. Um, Cody Zeller is a free agent too. Uh, I think they just, yeah, they'll, they'll probably get another center in free agency. But I think they just need to add on big men because I think they have solid young guards. They have Lamelo, um, Gordon Hayward. You know, he came back to life. This year had a solid season. Bridges is solid. Um, they have Terry Rozier still. PJ Washington is a solid four. Probably not going to play a five, or he just you know doesn't really fit there. Um, I, I think people like him more as a stretch four. Um, but yeah, I think Sangoon. Obviously, Kai Jones is still on the board, like you said. He, I think I ultimately went with Sangoon over Jones just because Kai Jones seems to be a little bit more of a project. And again, like we said, another guy who's just super raw. Um, the next pick is 12, the Spurs, which you don't usually see the Spurs in a lottery, but been in a lottery the past couple of years. Who do you think they go with? I think the Spurs are kind of in a situation where they really should maybe start consider considering their rebuild. I think they've been, that I wouldn't say mediocre because, you know, they have a really good culture development. Players that come in, they end up doing fairly well. But, you know, they've been kind of middling. You know, ever since Kawhi left, they've just been around 8 seed, 10 seed. So I think uh, here they should probably go with the more high upside player. So I picked uh, Kai Jones, who is a project to a lot of people. And um, I think it fits a need for them. They have kind of, uh, they have a lot of guards with uh, Derek White and um, Dejounte Murray, and I think Kai Jones is a pretty good fit. And they they also have um, Kelvin Johnson and Devin Vassell, who they selected last year. So Jones kind of fits in as like that final piece, I guess, as a center. He's pretty fluid. He plays good defense. He can run the floor. I think one of the more intriguing things about Kai Jones is his jump shot. Uh, he shot thirty eight percent from three in college, which is like, granted, it's on low volume, but. I think there's definitely potential there. And, you know, I guess there's not really much complaining with that pick. You know, I think it's a project pick. It is, it is a swing, it's a swing for the fences and you may, you may miss the pick, but I think the Spurs are in a position where they really seriously need to consider upside over, uh, over players who like, like Chris Duarte, like players who are going to come in and contribute. Yeah. I went, I went with Jalen Johnson at that pick. I think they do need a score to pair with, Murray DeRozan's going to be a free agent and I don't think they're going to resign him. I don't think he's worth that much. He's entering his mid thirties. So yeah, I think they just need a score, but like you said, they just need to choose um, a direction right now if they want to rebuild or if, you know, 
they want to go out and bring Kawhi back or Chris Paul or somebody like they, yeah, they, they need to, they need to pick a direction to move in. And I think Jalen Johnson will really help them because if he's good, then I think they could be, you know, you know, going the right direction. But if he's mid, they could just start tanking and unloading. Um, Pacers, 13. Yeah, so for the 13th pick, I think the Pacers, um, if you look at their their roster right now, they have talent, but I wouldn't say it's like a talent, like they're going to go to the championship. I mean, they have the P- Malcolm Brogdon's a nice piece, Karis Levert, Sabonis. I think they're probably going to move Miles Turner uh, or they may keep him. Who knows? I mean, it's a talented group of players, but also the Pacers, like the Spurs, should really also consider upside. Um, I think they're also in a position where they've just been in the like how many years they just go in the first round and they just get swept like it happens way too often with the Pacers so I think um I think the player Josh Giddy I'm out of Australia you mentioned um Josh Giddy as one of your earlier picks I think he would be a good fit here I think he at least goes in the lottery guaranteed um he has like a lot of he has a lot of potential that people like to compare compare him to LaMelo he's a little bit different but in the same sense he can play make he's a creative playmaker he can pass the ball quite well he sees the floor really well but the main the main question with him is is his shooting is his shooting legit and if you've actually seen his jumper it looks a little bit awkward I guess it could be a little bit more fluid but I, I think if that goes down you know he's a project that could really really work out I mean a 6-8 a 6-8 point guard like you can't I don't know if it gets it doesn't get better than that in terms of upside yeah um for this pick, I want Franz Wagner. That feels like a very Pacers pick where they take a dude mm-hmm. who's kind of just like a, you know, like high floor, low ceiling kind of player. I think he'll be, I mean, he's a 6'9", like shooting guard. So he'll be, he'll be solid. I think, I, I think they didn't get enough, a lot of production or not a lot, but they didn't get as much production out of him as they wanted to at Michigan in terms of shooting. I think his shooting percentage was a little bit lower than people liked, but still he's a three and D guy. Who's like a six, nine guard. That's super long. And this just, yeah, this just seems like a very Pacers pick. Um, And you can pair him with Brogdon. Cause I do think they need shooting cause you have, Brogdon, Turner, Sabonis, and you don't really have much else. So yeah, he's kind of just a plug and play guy. Um, fourteen. We're gonna stop after the lottery. So fourteen, the Warriors' second pick, which we mentioned already about potential trades. But if they do keep this pick, who do you think they go with? I think uh, here you kind of go for upside. So I think uh, this pick is going to kind of maybe shock some people, but I have, I would select Sire Williams out of Stanford. Uh, He's been all over the boards. Uh, I've seen him out of the first round. I've seen him top 15. I've seen him in the twenties. Like he, he goes, he's he's all around the boards. I do think Sire Williams has a lot of potential to become like a gifted scorer in this league. Like there's real all-star upside. You don't get a six ten player who shoots as smooth. His form is so smooth and, he looks like he could just be a threat if he can get the jumper down. Um, the tape on Stanford is not that impressive, to be honest. Like the if you look even just at his raw stats, I think he shot like 29% from three on like really bad efficiency. But I feel like there's a lot of circumstance. Stanford themselves, they didn't play a home game until like February. They had like a lot of struggles with COVID. Also, I think he had like a death in the family, so he had to miss extended time. He had another injury. So I feel like it was just a rough season all around. But he was a top five top six player um, heading into heading in his class in the class of 2020. So I do think there's a lot of potential there. And this is a swing. This is a swing for the Warriors. I think you got to do it. You have to build for the future. Once uh, Steph and Clay and Draymond, you know, to start to retire and get older for sure. Yeah. So for the Warriors at 14, I went with Keon Johnson, who's a guard out of Tennessee. Um, one of the best defenders in this class, uh, super athletic. He's not the best offensively 
Um, but he's he's pretty average. He's still uh, a little more developed than most. Um, I think they need a they seriously need like a second defending guard because watching that play, I I remember watching that playing game against Memphis, and they just like Draymond looked like the only guy on defense. I mean, like Jordan Poole was solid for that game and scoring and stuff was solid in that game for scoring, but they just need another elite defender to go with Draymond. And I think they wanted that out of Wiseman, but obviously he's hurt. He was hurt and he's also, you know, still a a rookie and a big man. But yeah, but Wiggins, Poole, Steph all struggled on defense. I think they need another defender. And I think uh, walking into the NBA, he will he will be a top defender already um, just based off of his pure athleticism and just how good he was last year at Tennessee. Um, Yeah, I really like that pick. Um, so now that we're done with the lottery, we're going to touch on a a few players that we didn't, uh, pick in the top 14. Um, maybe some guys that are like second round steals or guys who come later in the first round. Um, who do you like outside of the top 14? There's like a couple players. Give me, you can, you can, yeah, you can give me like two or three or yeah, as many. I'll as give you, you yeah, care. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple. I'll give you. So one player I like, he's, I think he'll go first round though, but I think he's rising up people's boards is Cam Thomas out of LSU. Um, now a lot of people will, will respond and say, you know, uh, he just scores. He provides nothing else. All he does is score. But I think at some point you have to kind of appreciate that, like. Averaging 23 points in college, like there's not many players that do that. And he's in an elite group of players who lasted in the NBA. And I think I think that's a really good player for if you're looking for like a six-man role, someone who's going to provide like that Jordan Clarkson type of role. I think he's definitely a player that that they should uh that team should consider selecting, especially contending teams. Like, he blew up Michigan. I actually ha- had not heard of him until they played uh my Michigan Wolverines in the around the 32 and he was uh he was balling out so mad respect to cam thomas also i like uh i like bones highland out of vcu he's been uh rising up people's boards he had a really impressive draft combine and once you actually hear like his story and like like where he's coming from a small town with the fire you know you can see why he plays with the passion he's, he went kind of under the radar but at the draft combine you could kind of tell he was like probably one of the best players in that scrimmage like he was just dominating and I know a lot of times this happens where workouts or combine someone does really well and people just buy into that but I think Bones Highland is legit and you know there's there's some Emmanuel quickly to his game some people say it's a little bit of Tyrese Halliburton I think I think in the late first round I think he's worth the I think he's worth a shot what about you yeah I think we've heard a lot of his I we've heard his name a lot um especially in the last month but I think he will just get, he'll be a first round pick just because of how often people are talking about him. And he's probably one of the most talked about players outside of the top five or six guys. Um, Yeah. I've read a lot of articles. I'm going to give you one player and that's Herb Jones out of Alabama. I really liked him. Um, the Nate Oates floor spacing five out another dude, um, who is just like a six, seven wing that, you know, he could guard one. He guarded one through five. He was the sec player of the year. Um, I think he was a senior. Um, let me just check. Yeah. He's 22, but he's got. He's six seven with a seven foot wingspan. He's you know he played at Alabama, which if you watch Alabama this year, they're a really good shooting team. So I think he could be a solid three and D guy. Don't know where he will go yet. A lot of rankings have him second round. Some people don't even have him getting drafted. He could be you know 
in the first round potentially, but I like I liked what I saw with him last year, and I think he'll make his way onto an NBA roster and be a rotation guy for years to come. Um. All right, so moving on from guys that we liked, what about guys that? stocks drop this season give me give me a player or two whose stock you know it 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 hurt them going to to school or hurt them you know playing this year because if they came out of high school or even if they were in college already their their stock uh dropped pretty bad this year for sure so yeah i'll give you i'll give you two players so one um a player who stock who was really regarded, highly regarded going into college was BJ Boston, um, who went to Kentucky. He was, I believe he was like a top six rate. I mean, he was talked in like the top five, top 10 of the draft. And then he goes to Kentucky, has a kind of underwhelming season. And now you kind of wonder, you know, should he even stay in the draft? I feel like there's a lot of players like that, him and Josh, Josh Christopher, for example, five-star recruits that didn't perform as well in college. And then I think, I think, they're just they're just banking on their you know upside that they'll get it they'll make it to the league. But the one player I did want to touch on this wasn't necessarily a highly regarded player, but a player that neither you or I had in the lottery was Davion Mitchell. Um, you know, in the draft lottery, if you guys watch the draft lottery, Jay Billis had Davion Mitchell as the fifth best player in the draft, and I just think I think Davion Mitchell is going to be a solid player. I think he'll be a pass on defense and he'll provide it will provide his value. But I do think it needs to be said that, you know, the height, like I think he's like only six foot, six foot one. And the shooting is very questionable. I know he shot 45% from three, but he also shot 65% from the line. So it's very, it's it's kind of hit or miss. You don't know whether you're going to get a star player or or you're going to get someone who maybe flames out in the NBA. And also he's on the older side, which really puts him at a disadvantage in the draft, as you know, because all these players we're naming were like 19-year-olds, 18-year-olds. And, you know, being like 22 years old definitely, definitely puts them at a disadvantage. And we've seen this in the past where players who are really good in college, who are older, you know, kind of flame, like um, who comes into mind, uh, Cameron Payne comes to mind. Although Cameron Payne is balling out. Um, actually, that's a bad example. How about how about someone like Denzel Valentine? No, no hate to MSU, but someone like Denzel Valentine, who was a phenomenal player in college, but then in NBA, I guess, wasn't what people expected him to be. Or Adrian Payne, even uh, same same idea. <laughs> yeah, damn, a lot of shade being thrown at me right now. But um, but yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, the height disadvantage is a big deal because um, you know Baylor obviously played Jared Butler at the one a lot too. So if you move him over to the two, that's kind of going to be. A little bit of a struggle and massive size disadvantage. Uh, yeah, his age too, but I do think he will be like a, he could be he could be a Patrick Beverly level defender of of or just like a pest, and yeah, just be a solid defensive guy. Um, a guy whose stock dropped, I think a lot was Greg Brown mm-hmm. um out of Texas. I really liked him. He he played he played pretty well um the first week of like college basketball and he had like s- some solid highlights but uh but yeah he dropped off and um another guy Sharif Cooper out of Auburn was one of the top point guards in the country. Both Greg Brown and Sharif Cooper were five stars. And Sharif Cooper didn't play a ton at Auburn, but he showed he showed some promise a lot more than Greg Brown did um, when he was there. I mean, he averaged like 20 a game at Auburn, but he didn't play a ton. So uh, I think he played less. He played like less than 15 games. So I think just not enough tape on him versus top competition is the reason why his stock will drop. Um, Josh Christopher, who else did you say? Josh Christopher, BJ Boston, 
do you think those guys get drafted like even in the second round i think i do think they, they i do think they'll get drafted i do think uh there there has to be something said about upside and i think teams will play, especially on josh christopher i know uh he worked out for the denver nuggets who like pick at 24 i believe and you know they said great thing he said like you know that's like family over there so i definitely think he'll get drafted i actually hope um I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, mad if the Pistons they took a shot on one of these high upside guys that you mean. If Sharif Cooper were to fall, although I don't know if we need a point guard, if he were to fall, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad. I think Cooper is very talented, and, although he didn't get invited to the green room, so I don't know if that means anything. Yeah. All right, we're gonna start wrapping it up, but uh, last talking point is you know this was the first year or like kind of you know first big year of the g league and uh you know the g league ignite team of high schoolers being able to go pro rather than go to college or play overseas um so they go pro at home uh i think there was a few guys obviously jalen green john kaminga also, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix. Uh, I feel like I'm missing another dude. I think he was like committed to NC State or something and ended up going pro. Um, but what do you think? Was the G League was the G League experiment in year one a success? Was it a fail? Do you need a bigger sample size? What is it compared to college? You think? I think, uh, well, I do think you probably need a bigger sample size and you do want to see, but I think uh, for the first year, um, it, I could say it's a success. I think these college players, you know, they came in there, they're, they're going to get paid, which now the NCAA responded by allowing student athletes to make money, which is huge. But I think if the NCAA didn't do that, I think the G League would be a really attractive option to a lot of, uh, to a lot of NBA players, uh, to a lot of uh, potential NBA players. And there has to be something said about playing in the G League. It's a little bit more similar to the NBA game. And the dudes in the G League are kind of fighting to for a roster spot or they're, they're professional players or they're players who did pretty well in college. So I guess you could say also the competition is, I guess, a little bit higher. But, you know, there are concerns about maybe like the intensity of like how these games go. Um, if you look at the uh, G League MVPs, uh, fun, fun experiment. If you look at G League MVPs from like the that past like five years, you won't find like you won't find much. Like let me give you an example. Like Henry Ellenson, for example, is like a G League All Star. You know he's not making an NBA roster. So you do wonder about <laughs> you do wonder about like the G League in terms of that regard. But I, I mean, if I was a prospect, I would I would consider it. I think the money's good and and yeah, it's worth it's worth. It's worth a shot if you want to go be different from the pack. But I know you have a stronger opinion on this. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the NIL, like you said, is a big deal because I think I think you get or not think you definitely get a lot more exposure in college in terms of TV deals, like contracts with ESPN, the NCAA tournaments aired on CBS and TBS and TNT, that whole network for the whole month of March. I think there's a lot more exposure there, but I do think the G league is um, somewhat of like a good alternative route. Um, like you said, in terms of similar game to the NBA, but I also wonder how it's going to be with guys playing overseas. Like, you know, from what comes to mind from the past, Emmanuel Moutier went overseas, LaMelo mm -hmm. went overseas, some got some other dudes that aren't coming to mind right now, like going overseas to China, Australia, Europe. I, I wonder how that, that, um, how often that happens now with the G League, but, um, yeah. I'm not sure. What do you what do you think about uh, the European leagues compared to the G leagues or like you know the Australian league? Maybe. I yeah. I think the I think the European league may be a little bit a step above the G league. I want to say I want to say they're kind of similar. I will. I do think like dominating, doing well in the league will translate to the NBA. Uh, this happened with Luka Doncic. Um, 
you know, a lot of people weren't really realizing what he was doing. You know, he was, he was really like, he was actually a really good, you know, with international prospects, you'll see their stats on their professional team and they'll average like four points, two assists, and then they just get drafted. But, you know, Luca was really, was really doing it in the year league. So I think there has to be something said about like doing well and like dominating these leagues. This is why uh, Shangun, for example, he's like the MVP of the Turkish league and it gains a lot of respect. But um, I think maybe the G league, if, if I'm like, if you're a prospect who's from America, I think that could be a little bit more attractive. I know the G League did their bubble, but I think probably you would want to stay closer to home. Um, the international route is like not as, um, it is common still, like some players still go. I know Brandon Jennings did it, Terrence Ferguson, but uh, I mean, they, I guess they didn't pan out as, a, as people would have hoped. So I would personally probably take the G League over, over the Europe leagues, but what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I think I, I do need to see a little bit larger of a sample size of the G League. I also kind of want to see how Jalen Green, Kaminga you know, turn out, and Isaiah Todd, too. Um, don't know if – I think he'll get drafted, you know, just off talent. Yeah. Same thing with Dacian Nick's probably going to get drafted in the second round. But, yeah, I wonder how these dudes will do in the actual league – and, you know, maybe they weren't the stars at like a college or played well at a college, but they, again, like you said earlier, they did play against grown men. So there, there is that aspect of it. Um, so we are going to wrap it up a little bit because um, we have been going for a little while now. Any final remarks on Anything we talked about, NBA finals, NBA draft, anything like yeah. that. First of all, shout out to Brandon Jennings, the guy who <laughs> pioneered Bucks and Six. So <laughs> shout out to Jenny. He was he was in courtside. He was at he was at the game. So shout out to Jennings. And then yeah, I'm excited. You know, now the finals are over. Draft is in a week. So very excited. And I'll be I'll be we'll be waiting to see what the Pistons do. And I think this week we'll probably learn more about what the Pistons are trying to do and more about these prospects in general. So I'm excited for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think I was more excited for the NBA draft after the Pistons got the first pick than I was to watch the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, super excited for the draft. Um, obviously there's going to be trades going on. I'm always excited for those. I'm ready for yeah. the, the Woj bombs. Yeah, so, on my phone. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Three Rings podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Peace.